Hello, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing? I'm Jamie Miller, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I love getting to do what I get to do. And I love, there's no place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than worshiping the Lord with you guys. It's just a joy. And uh, thankful for our team this morning. And uh, it's great. Hey, uh, before I get going today, formally, I want to just, there's a couple things I want to recognize. One of them is that we have uh, a bunch of college students that are going to awaken our mission trip. They're going to be leaving next week. So I get you to stand up, please, college students that are going to on awaken. Okay. All right. All right. Keep standing. And uh, again, we just want to pray a blessing over you guys. There's actually more that aren't here that are, I think there's 19 going total is what I just heard. So if you would extend a hand or if you're close by, just place a hand on their shoulder. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless our college students as they go and join 500 other college students from Antioch and Waco to go to Edinburgh to preach the gospel, to, pr to pray for healing. To uh, Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come, that they would see life, salvation, miracles, healing, that their lives would be radically impacted and changed for Jesus and for the gospel, that they would not be the same as a result of going, that you would protect them as they're out, protect them from the schemes of the enemy. And I pray that they would be radical, on, sold out, on fire, Jesus-loving, full of the Holy Spirit, Father's love-receiving, blessed college students as they go and as they come back. In Jesus' mighty name, and we all say, Amen. Okay. Amen. Well, I, I don't know if you guys have heard, but uh, I'm doing something kind of different this next year. I'm taking one year to... Uh, to lead our uh, Christ Fellowship Discipleship School with a very beautiful woman named Kim Miller. And uh, we are going to be doing that with Conan and Lindy Pinkston. So excited about that. Don't do, don't do that, right? And uh, I'm slowly learning over time. There's things I'm supposed to do and, th and I'm not supposed to do this. I, uh, so don't do it anymore, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Discipleship School. So that's, that is starting in the fall, August to August. And it'll be on Thursday nights from 5.30 to 9.30. We already have a bunch of people that are interested. We'll have a cap limit on how many people we can bring into that. There's a table in the foyer. And registration is open today. So there'll be follow-up uh, interviews about that kind of thing. And so I'd love for you to pray. We ask everybody at some point in their season with us at Christ Fellowship to do the discipleship school. So this would be a great year. Maybe it's for you. We'd love to have you. And uh, uh, yeah, enough on that. Also, tonight is Welcome to the Family. That's our membership class. We'll be here in the venue. Uh, we already have a, a dozen people that are going to be going through. And if you feel like this is your church home and you want to connect and become a member here and lock arms with us, then uh, uh, let, let's see, how do I do this? Contact at Christ Fellowship. We'll get you to the right place to make sure that you RSVP for being there tonight. Okay. And... Uh, I feel like I just, I, there's some stuff that's, it's almost vision. I'm not just doing announcements, I'm, I'm doing some vision here. We had over 150 people here this past Friday night for worship and prayer. It was awesome. Really awesome. And so we worshiped the Lord, went for it like crazy for a long time. You know, we prayed for each other. We prayed for the, just all kinds of stuff in the church. And then uh, lots of more worship and stuff. Then we even had some periods of silence. It was like outside of the box for a lot of us. Like we did Lectio Divina, kind of brought in some ancient practices of the church, prayed the scriptures like that, shared what we were hearing. It was great. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm realizing is as people are getting saved, people are connecting to the church, there's all these wonderful things happening. It's like I'm realizing we're coming into something. 
We're coming, it's like there's a wave rising underneath us right now. It's like we're standing in a, at, at the beginning of a new season of a vista of what God's going to do. <laughs> and it's exciting. So here's what I want you to do. Put a smile on your face. Exactly. That's a good one. You know, it actually, there's like physiological effects. When you start smiling, it affects you on the inside. So like that. And then turn to somebody. Keep the smile on. Keep the smile on. And turn to somebody and say, we're coming into something. <laughs> okay. I didn't have the first service put the smile on. It works much better with the smile. Because it's awkward. It's awkward to turn to somebody that you're just kind of sitting by and do that. Right? Hey, I want to thank uh, Micah for preaching last week. He preached on realigning our desires, intimacy, sexual stuff. So if that like piques your attention, then go listen to that online. Also, I want to thank Todd Knight the week before that uh, preached, brought the word on realigning to loving one another. Great word on forgiveness and that kind of thing. Thank you, Micah and Todd. And so, as you guys know, we're in a series on Lent that we're calling Realign. We are joining with the church around the world that practices Lent. So as a Protestant, evangelical, kind of kind of quasi-charismatic, Bible, what, I, what do you call us? I don't know. And so, uh, we love Jesus and we're following Him. How's that? And... Uh, so, uh, but, but we're, we're learning about the church calendar and we're learning about jumping in with the church around the world. And it's been fun. I've been using the revised common lectionary the last few months. And uh, so we're, I'm not going to get a robe, but we're going a little higher church lately. A robe would be wild, wouldn't it? Get the robe. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but Lent is something the church has been practicing for 1,600 years. It goes all the way back to the Council of Nicaea. Lent means Lenten. It means spring. And uh, it was connected to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness that he, he, with, he didn't eat food and was pressing in for the Father's will and withstanding the temptations of the devil. Okay, And so there's a word there for us. And that's why we're calling this series Realign. Realign. We want to press into the things of God and say no to a few things along the way. We're finishing up three days of prayer and fasting at lunch today. Okay, everybody's go get a salad. Don't don't get chicken fried steak. Medical advice. And uh, but it's good, man. It's good to praise the Lord and press in and have times of prayer like this. And today I'm going to be looking at a few texts from the lectionary, and I'm going to start. the The focus though is desires. Because our desires, how many of you guys know that our desires affect our actions? What you desire, you end up kind of focusing on and then you end up kind of doing. And by the, the, the flip side of that is also true. What you do ends up being what you desire. So it kind of works both ways. It's interesting. Those habits, we can have desires that kind of lead us into habits. And we can also develop new habits that kind of lead us into new desires. Like you learn to have a better taste for something than you used to. So it can work with a treasuring Jesus. I treasure Jesus. I have that desire in my heart. I want to worship Him. I want to pray. I want to be with God's people. I want to read the Word. I want to be shaped and changed by Him. And the flip side of that is also true. If I have desires that are carnal, fleshy, you know, from my old man, I can have desires for sexual things that are wrong, for greed, for uh, coveting other people's stuff, 
for control and my life gets all bent out of shape, if I'm not controlling every single little situation around me, it's sin, you know? And it just, it's this thing that just kind of takes over, you know, our lives. It's like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul kind of hits it right on the, the nail on the head. He says, as for you, Ephesians 2, 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But look at what God did. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead in transgressions, uh, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So it's wonderful good news what God has done for us. Paul's hitting on this thing that we all lived in this place where we have these desires that are bad and they drag us down and they, they are dehumanizing and they dehumanize other people. And it's not the way God intended for humanity to live. He talks about it again in Romans 6 when he says, for we know that our old self was crucified with Christ on the cross. And what he's saying there is that when we, when Jesus died on the cross, we were included with him on the cross. We know that our old self was, was crucified with him on the cross. And so like when we, I, I point over here, if you're visiting, we do a baptistry right here. I had one last week. And uh, so, so when we go into those waters, it's, we're, we're enacting the fact that we have been crucified with Christ, that we went into that grave with Him. We died with Him. And so, you know, we can live by this new life of Jesus, that He's this resurrection life, or, and this is the way I like to think about this, I don't have to live by my old man, but I can choose to do it if I want to. So my old man is like a deflated rubber guy, a deflated rubber guy. And he's just kind of always down there, you know. And so when I see a temptation or some kind of sin thing, you know, that I'm a little curious about, it's a door over here and it's just it's slightly cracked, maybe half inch. And I go over and I investigate this thing and go, ah, well, then my this old man, he like totally picks up on that and goes, well, it starts kind of coming alive a little bit, you know, and I kind of peek my head in the door there and he's like, oh, kicks the thing in and he's just like, oh, and he's got all, he's starting to fill up with air and desires that are the wrong desires. And it's awkward, but is everybody tracking with me? Is it, just, is it guys just, or is that girls too? Oh, yeah, it's, it's everybody. Okay. So, so that's what's going on here. We want to realign to Jesus' desires. We want to realign to Him being the treasure of our lives. And we want to... And what happens is the more we do that, the more this old guy just kind of deflates. We don't give him any juice to run with. We don't give him something to feed on. Make sense? Okay. So, sin awakens old desires. The old man, it wakes it up. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. God wants us to realign our desires and He's calling us to love Him and to seek Him above all other things in life. That's the calling here. That's what the the lectionary passages that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be going through a lot of text this morning and uh, we want to realign our desires. So first of all, 
Turn to Isaiah 55, verse 1. Isaiah 55, verse 1. And here we're going to see, and in the psalm passage as well, we realign our desires by seeking God. We realign our desires by seeking God. And I just want to go ahead and say on the front end, this is an invitation to everybody who's here. This is an invitation from God who says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what is, does not satisfy? So there's a theme here that we're going to see is that we can spend our time, we can spend our money on stuff that totally doesn't build us up at all. It can just, it's like you're, you're eating stuff that's empty. It's like trying to live on Twinkies. You know, 20, I, they don't know what the shelf life of a Twinkie is. I, I, 15, 20 years ago, I heard that, I heard an interview with a guy that had, had uh, that they were trying to find out from the 60s, and the tw- Twinkie was still good. This is, you know, it's been 15 years ago, I guess it's still good. There's no, Hope that it's gonna, it's not good for you. It doesn't satisfy. You know, and so, so he's saying, buy something that lasts. Buy bread from me, real stuff that satisfies your soul. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, he says. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. You know, so this theme and in the, in the Psalm theme as well that we're gonna look at in a second, it's, we want, there's a craving inside of us that nothing will satisfy that longing but God Himself. Nothing but God Himself. And we can try all other kinds of stuff. We can feed the old man and all that stuff, but it will not satisfy. John Piper wrote a book 20 years ago or so called Desiring God. I don't remember everything that's in it, but I remember this. His thesis statement is that God is most glorified in us. People see God the most in us when we're most satisfied in all that He is for us when we're satisfied in Him, when we let our souls be delighted and satisfied in God, that's when we shine for Jesus. That's when His light shines out of us. That's what we want to do. So he goes on there. And he talks about this promise from David that's for all. He says, Give ear and come to Me. Hear Me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. One of the things we see in the logic of election, everybody pay attention. That'll get everybody's attention, the election, talking about election. The logic of election is that God chooses somebody like Abram. He chooses somebody in order to bless a whole bunch of other people. That's the logic of election. It's not choose you and it just it kind of the blessing stays right there with you. So you've got Abram, you've got David. It's going to the people of Israel, the people of Israel. It's going to the nations. And Jesus is the ultimate articulation of that election that is for all. You know, and so all the good stuff that's happening in our midst, all the things that we celebrate about life and salvation, it doesn't stay here. It's always, it was always intended that we share this life, this love, this glory, this goodness, this freedom, this salvation that we found in Jesus Christ. And so that's what he says. I've made him a witness. To the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations that you know not. And nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For He's endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord. And here we go. 
Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He's near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the evil man His thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on him. And to our God, for He will freely pardon. Oh my goodness, that's good news for us. But the key is, seek the Lord. There's a call here for us to seek Him, to press into Him, to worship, pray, have our minds renewed in Him. Why? Listen to the next verse. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay? We are all susceptible to this. This is not, I'm not pointing at any one person or just describing something, uh, uh, an autobiographical thing that you guys can go, wow, I'm sorry he feels that way. It's, it's, it's all of us. Part of the fall is we think our thoughts are God's thoughts. That is our proclivity to go, my judgment about Jackie or Brian or whoever is God's actual literal judgment about them. Shocking, isn't it? But we do it. And so that's why we have to continually be called back to seeking the Lord, to calibrate, to realign our thinking, to have our minds renewed because we don't think His thoughts. It's in seeking Him and allowing His life to be revealed in us that our lives are shaped and we start more and more having His love, His thoughts, His life, His concern for others. Does that make sense? So that's this first piece here is to seek God and it's described in Isaiah 55, which was written about 750 B.C. And about 250 years before that, David wrote this really cool psalm, Psalm 63. Turn back there, Psalm 63. And uh, how many of you just... Quick poll, you really like Psalm 63. Just you, you know it, kind of like, all right, cool. You know, it's, it's my favorite psalm. It has been for 30 years. And uh, there's a reason why I, I wrote this guy that I really looked up to named Mike Cope one time years and years ago, Mike Cope. And uh, he wrote me back, wrote me this cool, encouraging, it was back when we used to do handwritten notes and stuff, and uh, wrote me this note back and then signed it, encouraging, signed it, Mike Cope. And underneath he put Psalm 63 with a little squiggly line. And for those of you who have ever gotten a handwritten note from me, you know that I signed my name, Jamie Miller, with Psalm 63 and a little squiggly line underneath it. Because when I read that psalm, I thought, this is the coolest psalm ever. This is awesome. Oh God, You are my God. You're my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My body longs for You in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So you're more thirsty than you've ever been in your life. And that drink is like finding God. That drink of water. It's like, that's how we're to hunger for God. That's how we're to thirst for God. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Okay, so all of us have had some kind of interaction with God. Some would say dramatic things. Others less dramatic things. But where you've seen God You've seen His power and His glory. Don't let go of that. Don't like go lower than that. But it's like mountain climbing. It's like where you've seen the Lord, you've got a firm foot footing for climbing on the rest. And you're not going down below that. You're climbing on. I've seen your power and your glory. I've beheld you in the sanctuary. I'm not letting go of what I've seen. It's changed me. It's rocked me. Because your love 
is better than life. My lips will glorify you. And what is it that draws us to the Lord? And it is love. You know, the most loving father among us. Well, I'm going to use Bob. He's the most loving father. <laughs> He's a loving father. And what is it about Bob's love that draws? It's sometimes he's had to discipline these guys when they were little. I know you did. But, but the love draws them to the father's heart, right? It's his love. Your love is better than life because your love's better than life. Father, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. You know, you don't have to do this on Sundays here at Christ Fellowship, but you can. You're free. Part of the reason we, this vision, just part of the reason we started the church was we said, man, we want to do worship like we see worship in the Bible. We want to be the church like we read about here in the Bible. And, you know, and I can remember the old days of just the very beginnings just going, you know, I'd never done that. And it was like a sacrifice of praise to move this, this hand like out like that and then just feel the, the shame and the embarrassment of the whole church as they looked on and went, <laughs> oh. that didn't happen. But inside, in all of my insecurity, you know, that's what I'm, oh God, the sacrifice. You know, just I'm on the altar, right? And so... In your, in your, because I'm praising you, in your name, I will lift up my hands and my soul will be satisfied. There it is again, as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Yes, Lord, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. And because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. You know, I mean, how many times in these decades, I've just 2 a.m., the third watch, 4 a.m., the fourth watch of the night, awake, going, God, save me. God, help me. God, lead us through this time. And that's life in God. It's okay, but it's seeking Him, pressing into Him. And it's in that desire that this old man is less and less, and I'm realigned more and more to the ways of God. Does that make sense? Is it? Dallas Willard says, uh, you know, something happens in us when we press into God with intensity. It's not enough that we come in here on Sundays and just kind of we're you know, robots, automatons, kind of going through the motion. I praise you, God. I lift up your name. Da, 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 you know, and just if there's what when we're changed is when there's intensity. And it doesn't it doesn't it looks different for different people. Some people it's dancing, you know, and tears. Other people, it's sitting there and just, I love you, Jesus. I love you so much. And it's the intensity that leads us to the next place with God. Okay? So Friday night, two hours of praise. Silence all mixed in with that. You know, and God's meeting us. And God's meeting us. And I was here on Friday night, and now I'm, now I'm here. But I'm not going back. I'm going to keep pressing into God. Do you see how that works? I want to desire Him and desire His ways and what He's doing and cultivate habits around that more than anything else. Okay, so the next piece. Everybody's been excited, waiting with bated breath to get to this point. And that is that we realign our desires not only by seeking God, but also by avoiding sin. You guys are like, wow, you're really complicated this morning. Two points. Seek God. 
Avoid sin. Okay, so turn back to now the third lectionary reading is 1 Corinthians 10. And so the context here is that Paul has been working with a divided church in Corinth. And some people were just different things. They had kind of factions going on in the church. They had some that were eating meat sacrificed to idols without caring that it was hurting other people's faith. And those kinds of things. And then he gives a little word of encouragement from his own life and then, then from Israel's history in chapter 10. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of what our forefathers went through. Okay, So they go out into the desert. They're baptized in the sea and into Moses. And they go out there and they're eating spiritual food the whole time. They're drinking from a rock. And that rock is Christ. So it's interesting. Paul reinterprets Israel's history through the lens of Jesus Christ, which is a massive thing for us all to remember as we look at Scripture. Jesus Christ is the hermeneutic. Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ, is the lens through which we look at God and understanding Scripture, God, everything. He is the image. He is the self-revelation of God to the world. We can't have an idea behind Father, Son, Holy Spirit that Jesus reveals about God that's not in line with who Jesus is. Okay? So just like heads up when you hear ideas about God that don't look like Jesus. You say, well, do I need to reinterpret that? You need to think about it. At least consider it. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. And at the center of the New Testament is Jesus Christ and His relationship with His Father in the Spirit. That's what He's come to show us. And the salvation He's come to bring us into. The adoption that He planned before the beginning of time at the Father's uh, instigation. Okay? So we're on this journey. And uh, you know what's going on here, uh, where this applies to us is whenever we're on a journey, the chances of us at some point along our journey ending up in the wilderness or in the desert are high. Will, will the old people give me a witness? The longer you've lived, the more you know that there's a chance for walking through times of wilderness. And when we go through times of wilderness, Paul says, these are the things you have to watch out for. Verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to us to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters. There's the first one. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. So what he's saying is when we get out in the wilderness, the temptations that we're going to face, number one, are for idols. Idols. So an idol is something that we look to instead of God, we look to this idol that's going to bring satisfaction, hope, significance, security, some kind of uh, filling of this emptiness inside of me, and we look to it instead of God. But the problem is that the idol always promises more than it can deliver. It's, it's a short, fleeting thing that an idol gives. I've been in Thailand. They literally, Thailand, they, they bow down and worship gold idols on the streets. 
And I'm like, wow, that's not an idol. I, I, I mean, that, that's not something I would be tempted to worship. I, I, I wouldn't be tempted to look to that instead of God to meet my need. But what about the United States of America? Can you help me out? What are some of the idols that we would look to to meet the need of our hearts instead of God? Money. Yeah, gonna just let you, 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 don't, you don't picture yourself doing this, but you know, lighting incense and all that to money. But that's what we do when we give it a place above God. What else? What's that? A spouse. I'm going to look to a person or a relationship or someone in particular to do something that only God can do. Becomes an idol. Kids. Look to kids to do something that only God can do. What else? Entertainment. Okay? Entertainment. Going to look to this, I need a fix. I need an escape. Going to look to entertainment to do something that only God can do. What else? President. Okay. Wow. Politics or a leader. You know, and can we do that? Is that possible to do that here? It's going to be a little more uh, uh, easy to expose any hopes that we've put there in this. If everything keeps going the way it's going, put your allegiance in Jesus Christ. Right? Anything else or do we cover them all? Comfort. Food. Comfort. Food. Comfort. Food. Comfort and food. Gonna, that's going to be my thing instead of the Lord. We could go on and on. The point is, Lord, help us with this. We, are, we have these temptations when we're in the wilderness. Sexual temptation. That's another one, right? Sexual immorality. Micah just did a great job last week hitting that. You know, it's like when I'm in the wilderness, my tanks get low. Somebody. My tanks get low. It could be my spiritual tank. That could be the thing that could do it. It could be my physical tank. That could be the thing that could do it. A lot of times it's my emotional tank. And I just, my tank's down. I don't know why. I'm weary. I'm worn out. And I'm choosing not to go to Jesus who says, are you weary and worn out? Come to me. I'll give you rest. But I don't do that. Instead, I'm like, could this little website or could this movie or could this illicit sexual thing bring me a hit that could kind of raise my tank up a bit? And we think weird thoughts when we're wiped out. Okay, a bunch of us do anyway. I do. And so we need each other. We need each other. We need right desires at that point in time. Okay, so... So uh, what else is on? Testing the Lord. So like the devil comes to Jesus, God really say, if you're God, you know, if you're the son of God, you could do that. And that's testing the Lord. The way that manifests in our life a lot of times is is we go, God, I'm in this hard place. Why did you do this to me? And, and we're like testing God. And, and, and we're also putting everything at God's feet as if our choices, other people's choices Evil in the world, the work of the devil and demonic forces are nothing, and we're just going to lay it all at God's feet. Everybody tracking with me? There's a whole lot of stuff going on in the world that's, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff that were terrible trials. And guess who, guess who put, put, put Jamie in those trials? Jamie put Jamie in those trials. Yeah, just straight up bad choices, drug addiction, whatever. You know, I'm not saying God, you did this drug addiction to me. He can use it for good and pull me out. You know, trying to help everybody. 
Don't put things that, don't test the Lord. Don't put things at God's feet that aren't God. The fourth thing, there is, it's really interesting, I, I think, idolatry, sexual immorality, testing the Lord, and grumbling doesn't seem like grumbling would be the fourth, you know, thing, and yet, isn't that what we're tempted to do? We get in the desert, you know, rust and fresh and no good lesson. You know, come listen to me. I got some more. And then we're two becomes four, and four becomes eight, and before long we're all just grumbling. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. And he goes on, he says, there's a way out. These things happened as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And here's, the, here's where he points us. Our desires. God. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Those are warnings for us and all to this idea that sin is somehow better and going to provide more fulfillment and satisfy us better than the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And so the Lord's calling us into something more. As we, I'm going to start wrapping this up. Um, he's calling us into something more. And... Uh, you know, that's why Lent, that's why times of prayer and fasting like we've been in these last three days as a church, that's why they're important. Um, anytime we find ourselves in the desert in temptation, it's important to, to walk this way. Kim found this quote for me. We need to find out who it's from. But listen to this. It's good. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. That's how that finishes. Beautiful people. So if you're getting more and more conformed to the image of Christ, it doesn't just happen. You don't just kind of back your way into looking like Jesus. You go through hard times. You go through sufferings. You walk through hard stuff. And you keep your eyes on God revealed in Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You keep your eyes on Him and He keeps wooing, changing, shaping, conforming, transforming us into the very image of Christ. I realize one of the things in talking about desires is, guys, we don't have to be just ruled by any one part of our bodies. My mind my eyes. I don't have to be ruled by that. You know, I can change. You know, change happens when we become aware. We get biblical conviction about something. We decide, hey, we're going to make a lifestyle change. You know, we get some maybe some accountability. And then we say, you know what? I'm not going to be a victim anymore and I'm actually going to change. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my roommate's fault. It's not my sister's fault. She was just mean to me. It's not my brother's fault. He did this to me all the time when I was growing up, and therefore I'm just going to always be... No more victim mentality. Change is possible. You can learn to eat salad. <laughs> Come on, buddy. We need to do this thing. You and me, man. 
You can learn to eat it. People used to ask us all the time. They'd see our kids. We'd be out somewhere, and they'd see our kids eating salad, and they'd say, what in the world happened? Like, hey, you starve them long enough. <laughs> Otherwise, you can feed them candy morning, noon, night, morning, noon, night, morning, noon, night, and they, they like it. Emily coming back from grandma's, you know, we, we come in the door, she's like, no, and runs from us, you know, and we, we catch her, we turn around, her cheeks are like this. What have you been doing? Ice cream sandwich after every meal. Good. You know, you do that, you know, and you eventually, the first thing to go is your teeth, and then they go. Just, you lose them. So we have to learn to eat good stuff, fixing our desires on Jesus. The flip side of good desires is also bad stuff. If all you're feeding is on is bad stuff, it's not good. You lose a taste for the good when you feed on the bad. Okay, so the, the most graphic picture I can come up with uh, for bad is uh, maggot-infested, nasty, rotten meat. Rancid. Oh, oh. But if you never ate something good, and all you, you know, you, oh, look, it's wiggling. And it, it just, you're empty on the inside. You're empty on the inside, and so you want to fill it. And it doesn't even matter that it's nasty. Nasty and, you know, but in, if you can accept this as a metaphor, Jesus is like the filet. The filet mignon. For vegetarians, uh, imported tofu or something from somewhere. <laughs> really good, just slices real... <laughs> Don't you have to use a knife? <laughs> but Jesus is like that for us. And that's what I'm talking about desires. The enemy's attacks hardly work on us when we're filled with wonder and fascination for all of his beauty and excellence and well, how, how glorious he is. He shoots fiery darts. It's like, I'm fixated on the person of Jesus. And it just changes everything when I'm in love with him. I don't want... I don't want to break fellowship with him. I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat. I, I, start, I can see it for what it is. And I don't want to do that. Doesn't mean I'm not tempted, like, but I don't want, I don't want that. I want him more than anything else. Does it make sense? Desire. Uh, I had a friend years ago, Sam Storm, who, who told a story about, uh, I'm going to finish with this, a, a story of, uh, from Greek mythology about Ulysses and his men crossing. They're going somewhere on a journey. It's, it's the Odyssey, right? You know, they're going places. And so, uh, anybody read the... Everybody <laughs> goes, uh, school, man, I don't want to talk about that. But so Ulysses is going on a journey, and he has to go past the island of the Sirens. Sirens are these beautiful women that sing, you know, come over here, and sing a song. And, and the sailors would come, their boats would come, and they would crash on the rocks, but they weren't really beautiful women at all. They were demonic beings, and they'd go out and eat their flesh. Gross. But Ulysses wanted to hear the song. So he said, I've got a plan, men. I want you to tie me to the mast. I want you to put wax in your ears. And no matter what I say, when we go past the island of the sirens, you don't stop for nothing. So they go past the island of the sirens. They start singing their song. Something. And sing the song. And Ulysses is like, oh man, we've arrived. And he's just muscles bulging, but tied with straps to the mast, you know, totally wants to do it. And the men have wax in their ears. They can't hear a thing. Keep rowing on past. 
You know, but the issue is he totally wanted to do it. Years later, Jason and the Argonauts also have to go past the island of the Sirens. Jason gets another plan. He brings with him Orpheus, who happens to be the best flute player in the world, almost as good as Cameron, right? <laughs> so he's awesome on the flute, you know? And uh, so, so they go silent, uh, sailing past the island of the Sirens, and they hear the song. Oh, come over here. <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing that. But, so they're singing the song, and their guys are like, wow, this is it. We found our home. This is it. Guys, we've got to do this. You know? And quickly, Jason says, Orpheus, start playing now. Start playing now. And he plays the sweetest song that had ever been heard on planet Earth. And the guys listen to the siren song, and they listen to Orpheus' song, and they're able to keep going right on past the island. And guys, Jesus Christ is the sweetest song that's ever been sung, ever. He is the best, the most beautiful, the most wonderful. He grips our hearts and gives us power over everything else. It's like looking at Him cuts the root of sin in our lives. It, like, it weakens its power. It just dies off the more we focus on Him and desiring Him. And that's what we're called to today. You guys, stand up. Okay, so we want to respond to God. Ministry team's coming. We do, if you're visiting with us, we do this at the end of every service. We just take five minutes to uh, pray and to respond to God. Oftentimes, it's right in this moment. If we'll respond to God right now, it's like God uses that to grow us, to develop us. And so, ministry team, if you'll come. Band's coming. Thank you. Great. Okay, so there's two things. I, I want to make a call just in two areas. One is, on the positive side, you're not in the desert right now at all, and this is just a call to seek more of Jesus. If the front fills up, pray with somebody. Just say, I want more of Jesus. You know, and, but, but there's something about going, I want to press in. I want to go for it. Say more of Jesus and just press into Him. And on the other side, if you're in the desert, this is a great time to get prayer. If you're feeling those pulls, those temptations, those the, that wooing, you know, toward idolatry or sexual sin or that kind of stuff. What a great time to get prayer. Get prayer, get help, you know. And so, Lord, we just say that we need you. We are calling on your name. Jesus, you are the Savior. Save us. Whatever your need is today, brothers, sisters, friends, come get prayer. If the front fills up, then just ask somebody that you came with to pray for you. We don't want to stay the same. We don't want to just, I don't want to be in the same place in two months. I want to grow. I want to press into God. Let's go for it. Respond to God. Respond to God. Hunger for Him. Go for it. In Jesus' name.